Hi. Hello. I want to start today by asking you a question. And in order to ask you the question, I was wondering if you'd be willing to take a look at the person on your right. And just take a look at them and think about how amazing and awesome they are. If you happen to be at the end of the row, you can turn the other way or something. All right, take a look to the person on your left. And again, just take a second to think about how wonderful and terrific that person is. So the question I wanted to ask you today is, do we value people? Do we value people as God values people? And the message today is going to be from Psalm 139, which is in the Pew Bible, um, page 974 in the lower left. And um, we'll do some exegetical work on that as we get going here. Um, But as I started to ask myself the question, do I value people, I found some interesting answers. And how this all came together is I was putting together a message actually on James 2, 14, 26, which is that uh, section of scripture that talks about faith and works. And I submitted my outline to my mentors. And, uh, you know, I got some feedback on my outline on James and it was... You know, they just said I really shouldn't be preaching on that passage. Uh, So I found myself banging my head against the Bible like I often do, trying to make some sense of something. And I think the Lord opened it up to Psalm 139. And as I started to read it, I in particularly found myself meditating on verse 14. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And... Quickly, the question came to me, I think it was the Holy Spirit, Dale, do you value people? And I'm like, yeah, of course I value people. If you know anything about the Briggs assessment, I'm an ENFJ. We are all about loving people. I'm a high eye sanguine uh, otter, if you know anything about the disc. I typically smile all day. I give out high fives and fist bumps. So of course, Lord, I value people. But Dale, do you really value people as I value people? And I thought about that, and as I let that question meditate through my mind over days and weeks, I, I wasn't really too excited about my answer. I found out that I was pretty good at coveting. I was excelling in envy. I found myself jealous, greedy, and we all know there's no win in the comparison game, but I found myself looking at people that were doing better than I was, and I would find some way to kind of just find something about them to make them feel better about myself. And then I would find people that I thought weren't doing as well as I was doing, and I could feel this pride and arrogance swell up in me. And so Psalm 139 and I'm going to take you through the questions that I had today. I have like four or five questions I want to get through. Really helped me to understand how to truly value people as God values them. So I have to ask you, though, how about you? Where do you find your value? How do you value other people? Do we take our value from our attendance at church? Do we take our value from our ability to preach? Or perhaps we find our value or assign value to people based on their theological knowledge, how often they study the Bible, how often they pray. Or maybe we take value from our family. Or uh, we put these expectations on our children that they need to get certain types of grades and that feeds our value. Or their sports performance on a sports team. 
And I find myself, I can take my value from um, uh, fitness. You know, we all know we need to be in good physical health, right? But, you know, there's all these uh, color runs and marathons and triathlons. Where do we really get our value in life? And then our finances. You know, do we look at somebody who makes a certain amount of money and we assign a value to that person? Or do we make a very little amount of money and we assign value to ourselves that way? Or how about um, making, uh, making mistakes, perhaps? I know there's some of you out there probably that are very good at what you do and you take great pride in your perfection and how well you do things. And then there's some of us, like me, who... Typically, I make 200 mistakes before 11 a.m., and I take some kind of weird pride in that. Uh, and then, of course, we can always take our value from our friendships, our relationships, in-laws or outlaws. So where do we take our value from? So let me give you a little introduction to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, as you probably know, is uh, David's reflection upon his formation. David is the king of Israel, king of Judah. He is a uh, mighty warrior. He is somebody who's been in fierce battles throughout most of his life. He was chased down for years and years by King Saul. And another thing we know about David is that he uh, spent constant time in meditation on God's word. For the most part of his life, except when he fell into major sin, David was someone who spent time meditating on the word and in close relationship with God. And then let's think about Psalms here too. Psalms are, um, Psalms really are not about the human experience. They're about how we approach God in praise and worship. And I think what you'll find as we go through a Psalm is that we will rightly value ourselves and rightly value others based on what we value. And how we rightly value God, of course, creates that value in us. So let me read for you Psalm 139. And I'm going to focus in on verse 13 through verse 18. So verse 13 starts out with, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that word fearfully, interestingly enough, I was giving this message to a group of kindergartens through fourth graders and I was using the New International Reader's Version Bible and that word fearfully is translated as amazing in that version. So I praise you for I am amazingly and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So this is something that David knew very well. He knew it in the depths of his soul. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Now this is metaphorical language, um, talking about how God created us before time began. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Let me just take a moment and pray over this. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful psalm. We know in heaven there is a perfect clarity and uh, we just ask you to uh, send the words today and send the understanding so that we can rightly um, 
rightly hear from you in our hearts, minds, and souls. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, so the first question that came to me really came from verses 13 and 14. And it, the question was, how does God value people? And God values people in two ways. God values people in creation, just like verse 13 and 14 says, that God has formed us, each and every one of us, that there are no mistakes, there's no accidents, that you, each and every one of you, were planned out on purpose before time ever began. The Lord who made all the good things you see, the the sunrise, the sunset, there's evidence everywhere of this. The zebras, uh, the woodpecker that has that tongue that wraps around its brain several times. And God made children as well too. You can see the glory of creation in children a lot of times most readily. Now how many of you have children? All right, so in my children, I can see this, that each child was, came out of the womb with a certain temperament from God. There's Natalie. Natalie's my firstborn daughter. She's 16. Uh, she's the eldest. She broke the mold. She has an incredible loving spirit. She's a great friend to anyone that she meets. And then there's Sam, Samantha. Samantha's 13. She's almost 14. She has a great gift for horses, those big animals that can you know, trample you or run you over or something like that. Sam is also the only one in our family that likes peace and quiet. She'll hide in a closet, she'll lock her door, she'll walk a mile to the library. Uh, She just likes peace and quiet, and that's interesting because she came out of the womb and she seemed to cry for about two and a half years for us. Uh, Then there's Elena. Elena is uh, 10, and she's a lot like my wife, Robin. Uh, Elena is a force of nature. She's competitive, driven, wants to win at all costs. And uh, then there's Liam, or not Liam, I'm skipping a couple. Uh, Caden. Caden is seven, my seven-year-old boy. Now, Caden has a soft, gentle spirit like me. Um, He's kind of a people pleaser, so we have to work on that, just like I have to watch out for that. Um, But about 10,000 moments of parenting work came to fruition a couple weeks ago when little Caden came up to me and said, Dad, I want to be just like you when I grow up. And I can think back to all the times in my life that I've made certain decisions to pour into him, and um, that was just a wonderful moment, but also a heavy moment because I'm not a perfect person, right? And um, so it's a little bit scary at that well, too. Then we have Aubrey. Aubrey is my four-year-old daughter. Aubrey is uh, our sparkle bunny, is what I like to call her. Aubrey uh, is the type of girl that will spill five bowls of Cheerios. And I'll be giving her my mean dad look, because we all know that's a good parenting technique. Right, parents? And uh, she'll just be like, Mom, Dad, smile. You're not smiling. Smile all day. And she'll burst down the song. It's that Lego movie. It's like, everything is awesome when you're part of the team. (laughs) And I'll remind her that everything is awesome when you're part of God's team, of course. So I do a lot of preaching at home. And she'll also sing a lot of those uh, Frozen songs as well, too. So if if we have extra time today, we can sing a little Frozen. And then lastly, I think I'm done now, there's Liam, Liam Phoenix Suslick. Now, Liam is 95 today, 95 days old, and um, I don't name the children in our family. My wife always does that, but this time my wife decided to let the kids name Liam Phoenix, and Liam, I found out, stands for Fierce Warrior, and Phoenix stands for Rising Up. So Fierce Kingdom Warrior Rising Up is how I look at that. So this is how God places value in us. God places value in us 
from creation. And I know that sometimes it's hard to see that in people, right? You don't have to raise your hand, but sometimes it's hard to see value in people. But I would submit to you that if you just slow down a little bit, you can see the value that God has placed in each and every person that you encounter. Now, the second way God puts value in us is through redemption. Is through redemption. That what I found about about myself through that question, do I value people, is uh, God made me to be a treasure, but I have a lot of dirt burying my treasure. That because of the broken, sinful fall in the world we live in, that I've covered up my treasure with dirt. And so God places value in people through redemption. And we all know the story, right? Genesis 1 and 2, uh, God created the world beautifully and wonderfully, amazingly. And then Genesis 3, Adam and Eve come along and they fall into sin. And, you know, we are dealing with those consequences today. But the good news is, right, what's the good news? John 3, 16, 3, 17, that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit all had this orchestrated uh, before time began that Jesus was going to be sent in the world to uh, redeem us, to um, transform us, that he was sent here to save us, not to condemn us, right, but to redeem us and save the world. And then not only did Jesus come here to save us, if you look in Luke 19.10, if you know the story of Zacchaeus, right, the wee little man Zacchaeus, that uh, Luke 19.10, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, seek out and save the lost. So Zacchaeus, uh, Jesus comes into Jericho and um, Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. It's a big crowd. It's like a huge Memorial Day parade and uh, Zacchaeus can't get close to Jesus and so he climbs up into the sycamore tree, the fig tree, and Jesus seeks out Zacchaeus from the tree and redeems him and transforms him. And that's what he's trying to do for each and every one of us. And again, um, if you haven't noticed, God has chosen to carry out his grand plan of redemption through human hands. So that's what we want to be. You know, I think, John, you mentioned it a little bit, that uh, like the, the kids' grand adventure, the formerly called VBS, that one of the things we're trying to do is seek and save the lost. Let them know in a good people skilled type of way, of course, that they need repentance. And so that's one way, two ways that God places value in people is through creation and through redemption. And through redemption, we have this new life and that treasure that he made us with is then transformed and we're available to walk in that kingdom power here and now. Um, yes, there is sin that we have to deal with, but that's not our reality because Christ has come to free us from that life. All right, so that's question number one. How does God value people through creation and redemption? Question number two. If we know the value of people, if we really believe what we believe from verses 13 and 14, then why do we often find that the most difficult person to value is ourself? Why do we sometimes have trouble valuing ourself? If you look at verses 15 and 16, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So God is actively planning out our lives before time began and here and now. But what I think is we just forget this, that um, because if you, we could look at 
verses uh, 1 through 12 real quickly. I'm not going to read through all those. But verses 1 through 12 of Psalm 139 starts out with, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know me when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path. And it goes on and on with uh, God has intimate knowledge of us. And I think that's one of the reasons we forget who we are and where we come from and who we belong to because we know, not as much as God knows about us, but we know the dirt, the dirt that we have on us. We know what we've done, where we came from, and so at times we can get pulled into the world and start valuing things the way the world does. And that's not how God values us, of course. So what comes to mind for me is uh, about... Four weeks ago, I was having one of those bad parenting days. Has anybody ever had bad parenting days? Okay. And nothing brings me to my knees more than parenting. And I'm a positive person, if you know me. Again, I give out a lot of high fives. I smile. I'm a positive person. And God has wired some of you as great critical thinkers. He's wired me with the gift of faith and positivity. So... I can look at any verse of the Bible. You can exile me for 70 years and I'll find a way to make it into a positive experience. We're going to go camping. We're going to spend some family time. We're going to have some s'mores. We're going to be gone for 70 years in the wilderness or 40, whatever it is. Uh, But I was just under attack that night that I just felt like a complete failure as a parent. And this happened in a matter of seconds. And then all of a sudden my mind went back to when I was eight years old and when I found my bike thrown into the lake, destroyed. And even at eight years old, I had vowed to go through life and do whatever I had to do to get ahead. I took on this ends, justifies the means attitude that manifested itself in a lack of integrity, the way that I treated women throughout college uh, and in my business life that just wasn't God-honoring because I didn't know who I belonged to. I didn't know where I came from. And it wasn't until about 2007, 2008. uh, At that time, I had a fantastic business, which I would give all the glory to God God looking back. Uh, But at that time, we had a business that had 14 locations. We had 146 team members. We were doing nearly $4 million in sales. But then I ended up losing a million dollars in one year. And some of you may remember my baptism story, so I won't go into great detail. But I was just struck with how I had no control over anything. And it was in 2008, a dark morning, when the peace of Christ came upon me. I remember it vividly that that Jesus came and was seeking me out and brought me into his kingdom. And so that peace I can forget in those moments that I'm not parenting well or things don't seem to go well. And so that's what happened um, that night about four to six weeks ago where I brought myself back to that peace of Christ. I remembered who I was and where I came from. So in 45 seconds, I went from the depths of despair, but I felt like I was, like Christ had come into my life once again, seek me out, redeemed and transformed me, and I just remembered who I was. It seems very simple, right? But we can all fall in this trap of forgetting that God values us apart from our performance, apart from our production, and apart from perfection, that he just values us because he made us. And he's most satisfied with us when we're satisfied with him, when we're simply loving him. And you think of the stories of of Moses and Daniel and Esther. We're not going to go through all those stories today, of course. 
But if you read through those, you'll see this pattern of God divinely orchestrating their lives so that when he needed them to do something, they had the experience and the character and the integrity to carry out his divine plan. And so God is actively working in your life. God uses each and every experience you're going through for your good. Romans 8.28, of course. Whether you're going through something terrible or you're going through something good right now. And how many of you have ministered to people in your weakness? How many of you have been comforted by God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and you've taken that comfort and you were able to spread that comfort onto somebody else? God uses each experience for good. Third question. How do we rightly value people? Let's look at verses 17 and 18. How do we rightly value people and ourselves? How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. What I took away from this is God thinks of us more than we think of him. God thinks of us more than we think of him. And I know many of us think about God a lot. But God is always thinking about us Key word in verse 17, God is always thinking about us and his thoughts are precious. So God has wonderful, amazing, and excellent thoughts at all times about us and he's always with us. With us. And then if you look at verse 14, I think this is another key word. Verse 14, the word fearfully. Fearfully, if you look at the translation, can be translated as Awesome. And not in Lego movie awesome, but in the awesomeness of God. And, and this is something I really struggled with. Is like, how do you communicate the awesomeness of God? You know, I watched a Lou Giglio video and he talked about the sun and the moon and the stars and the vastness of the universe. And that took him an hour, so I didn't want to go that long. Um, but the reason David knew how to value people and how to value himself and knew it deep in his soul is because he rightly valued God as the awesome creator of the universe. Another problem I have being a male in America now, and I also do a lot of substitute teaching in second grade class, is uh, I, I've had to learn to turn off my feelings. So I'm working on turning my feelings back on. Uh, seminary is not always good for turning on your feelings as well. Um, and also when you lose a million dollars and you have six kids, you really have to dial down your emotional level. So I'm really trying to get in tune with, you know, how do I really grasp the awesomeness of God? How do I really walk in that day in and day out? And I, I don't have an easy answer for you here today other than uh, about a week or two ago, I was walking around the block with Liam Phoenix and I was just holding him in my arms and walking around the block and the thought struck me that if I believe what I say I believe, that means that God, before time began, had created this little boy and decided to put him in my arms at this time in history where I live for a divine purpose. And for me, being a dad, that sent chills down my spine. And for you, it's going to be different. Again, I would challenge you to look closely at your life today and look for those moments that God is trying to display his awesomeness to you because it's there if you look for it. Question number four. 
So what? What do we do with this information? Okay, let's say we believe that we're amazingly and wonderfully made. And let's say that we believe that each and every person we run into today and for every day thereafter is amazingly and wonderfully made by God. What should we do? So my practical application point today is that we should have s'mores. That we should invite some people over for s'mores. I know that we moved into a new house about six weeks ago, and um, you can imagine the chaos and stress of moving a family of eight into a new home. And uh, it was days and days on end of unpacking boxes. And um, so my kids wanted to do something on the final day when we were unpacking, and they wanted to have s'mores. And I'm all for s'mores. Uh, I love starting fires. My children love burning stuff. They put sticks in the fire and try to start the grass on fire. Um, our home is insured, so th- you know we're trying to maybe burn it down and get a better home someday. Um, but they love having s'mores. And uh, so I-, I was pretty tired, I have to admit. And Next door to us, there's a neighbor who uh, we happen to know from a few years back, um, and she's a, a single mom of a three-year-old. And, and I have to tell you, the last thing I wanted to do was invite two more people into our little controlled chaos mess. And I'm not going to take any credit from this because I'm working on the, This is how God orchestrates this thing. I'm, I'm working on this message on valuing people, yet I can't even invite somebody over for s'mores, I'm finding out. And maybe you find that sad and pathetic, And it is sad and pathetic. And so the Holy Spirit convicted me. I found some power, even though it wasn't convenient, because it's never convenient, just to invite him over for s'mores. And, you know, we didn't talk about God that night, but we just connected with somebody who uh, might need the love of Jesus. And that's following weekend, we invited another couple over for s'mores, and God orchestrated a lot of conversations in that invite uh, to point some people a little bit closer to Christ. So again, it doesn't have to be going for overseas mission. And if you are called to overseas mission, that is wonderful, and I honor and praise that, that God has you on that plan. But missions is all around us. I think of the lady that I ran into uh, a few weeks ago at PDQ. She was uh, telling the person in front of her how she... um, wanted to just go shopping all day long. And so by the time I got up to her, I struck up a conversation with her, and she was just telling me that it's all about making money. You know, all I want to do is make money so I can go shopping. And so there are lost people out there in the world that you can interact every day when you truly value people as God values them. One last question. Will we surrender? Will we submit to the plan that God has us in life? Will we do his will? I guess to end, really what I want to do is um, I just want to take you through a, a prayer and uh, really just ask you three other quick questions, and then we're going to be done. Um, So if I could get everyone to bow their heads, close their eyes. Do you find yourself under attack? Have you had words of unworthiness spoken over you? Do you think words or thoughts of unworthiness over you? I just ask the Lord, I ask the Holy Spirit to reveal this. 
I just ask you to lay those down at the foot of the cross of Jesus. Call down his kingdom power to know how you are truly valued in God's eyes. How about, are there some people that we're not valuing? Are there some people in your life that you're struggling to value? Uh, Maybe it's a a son or a daughter. Maybe it's a spouse member. Uh, Maybe it's an in-law or just someone that really tries tries your nerves that you're really struggling the value. I just ask the Holy Spirit to come in our hearts, minds, and soul and, and just reveal to us who that we personally need the value. And just help us, Lord. Show us, show us how to value these people. Show us how to value all people. If there's someone that you're not valuing, I just encourage you to bring, bring that to the foot of the cross and let Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit take care of that for you. Can we walk a little slower? Can we walk a little slower today? Show us how, Lord, Send the Holy Spirit into our lives and just, just show us how to walk a little bit slower so we can see those that are lost, so we can truly value them as you value them, Lord. Lord, give us an understanding, a deep understanding of Psalm 139. Help us to see and know what David knew very well. Help us to release our own worldly thoughts of unworthiness and bask in your thoughts, Lord. Your good, amazing, and always wonderful thoughts. Help us to release any feelings of unworthiness we harbor towards others. Simply show us how. How can we walk in your kingdom confidence? How can we value even those who annoy us, who are different, who can scare or challenge us. Lord, do not let these words be words we merely agree with. Help us to value ourselves as you value us, Lord. Let us walk a little slower today so we can see the loss and give us your heavenly kingdom power, Lord, that we can uh, penetrate the social networks of people so that we can share your love. Help us to value people. And just give us the power to answer the question, will we start to value with a yes, we will, with our words, our thoughts, and our action. If I can have the worship team come up. Lord, we just continue to ask you for guidance in in valuing people. We ask you for your your heavenly power, Lord, to see you, to see us as you see us, to help us rightly value you and your awesome nature, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.